This is episode number 165 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stanett. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute. And my goal is to help you become a fearless and professional speaker and presenter. So this week, I've got a special guest, JT Campo. He is founder of the Content Interpreter, and he works with thought leaders, C-level executives, entrepreneurs. Basically, he's, he's a speechwriter and a presentation consultant for these high-level folks. So his specialty is being able to help clients infuse their personal stories into their formal speeches to make them more lively and make them more interesting. So sit back and enjoy the interview with JT. Everybody, welcome back. Uh, this week, I've got a special guest, JT Campo. He is the founder of the Content Interpreter. He works with thought leaders, C-level executives, entrepreneurs, and um, and he basically helps them kind of get their story out, specifically in presentations. His specialty is being able to help his clients kind of infuse their personal stories into their formal speeches and make them more lively and more interesting. So, JT, welcome to Fearless Presentations. Thank you, Doug, for having me on the podcast. Appreciate yeah, good it. deal. Hey, so real quick, just just for the, in case some of our listeners haven't heard of you before, kind of tell us about your your background and kind of how you got into this industry and and um, and what your specialty is. Well, I appreciate that. My my specialty is is like you said, working with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, C suite members, those three groups primarily to communicate their message, communicate their story on stage, whether it's physical or virtual, with authenticity, accessibility, clarity, and empathy. Those are my four essential ingredients. And how I came to do this is actually, it's kind of an interesting story. It's, it's, it's a bit long, but uh, to, to shorten it up, I'll say that I started in uh, media research, working for a, a media agency. So market research, consumer insights, that sort of thing. And so Working in that for so long, it trains your brain to kind of sort through lots of data and numbers and statistics and to latch on to the one insight that is going to impress either the brand manager or the CEO or you know whatever size company you're dealing with, whoever sure. is the decision maker, it teaches you to latch on to that insight. So I always had that as a training ground in my career. Uh, held a bunch of different roles. And I started working with a, an ad tech firm, a small ad tech firm based out of Austin, Texas. I was directing their client services, telling their clients the story of how great that company is and how you should use their, their programmatic audience segments and their sure. SaaS tools and everything. And uh, the management of the company said, we're gonna bring in a PR consultant do you think that you might be able to write things that the uh, the press, the trade press would be interested in? And I'd never done that before. Fast forward, turns out that I was pretty good at it. Right. <laughs> we yeah. built the earned media footprint for that company, which was a, a 
fairly lesser known brand, I would say, in that space. And we ended up getting a lot of traction, a lot of results. And then the thought occurred to me that, hey, this is so much fun working with engineers and data scientists that aren't necessarily storytellers by trade. What if I could do this on my own across all kinds of different industries and fuse it with uh, another passion of mine, which is which is speech writing and, and presentation skills. And I've been a member of Toastmasters for uh, almost 11 years now. And so sure. it was this interesting fusion of, of all these things. But I would say that the first, the aha moment was the first time that I had uh, press placement in ad week. Oh, okay. My name and representing uh, Affinity Answers, which is the name of the company. And, and it was pretty interesting. And that was when I thought, hmm, this could Why work. I think people really need this. Right. Yeah, it's funny because I think I, that's one of the things that, you know, as you know, being a speech coach or a presentation coach for for quite a while now, one of the things I kind of notice is that I don't think people understand the real value that that speeches have and presentations have to marketing, whether that's an idea that you're trying to get across to a boardroom or whether you're trying to get promoted or whether you're trying to get new customers or clients or whether you're trying to build a brand. It basically it's the technique seems to be pretty similar. It's that you're marketing that that idea. You're trying to get other people to agree with you. I, I'm, is that kind of what you're finding as well? Yeah. And I, I think I would add to that is that thought leadership these days is so important too, right. fitting right into the, the personal branding aspect of this. And, and one of the things that I've told many of my clients is that expertise is basic. And I say that kind of tongue in cheek because all of my clients are way smarter and, and more brilliant than, than I am or right. could ever hope to be uh, sure. in their particular area. But uh, what, what I do try to impart on them is that people want to understand what your personal connection is to it. And however sure. personal you want to get, it could be something that that's uh, how it personally connects to you, right. or it could be something like like you were saying, like what's that aha moment? That that's right. what really I think uh, makes mark on audiences. Hey, well, well, I tell you what, let's back up just a little bit because like because some of the folks that are are listening may not um, be aware of that that term that you're using the the thought leader. They they uh, I, I, a lot of people probably don't see themselves as being thought leaders, even though they are experts at what they do. And because I think a lot of people don't really we do what we do on a day-to-day basis and we don't necessarily see ourselves as being the expert, but it sounds like um, kind of what you're helping people do is to see that, Hey, you are already brilliant. You're already really good at what you do. Now it's time to show the world what you can Absolutely. do. Right. Is that, and that, so kind of tell them what, what exactly do you mean when you say thought leader, what are you trying to get your clients to get across to their audiences and, and get them to get the audiences to understand about the client and get them to infuse into those presentations to to show that they really are the thought leader in the industry. Well, I love what you said, because one of the things I say right at the top on my website is your greatness shouldn't be a secret to your audience. Right. So I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very much of the mindset that, hey, you're already great. If you're being invited to speak, obviously people want to hear what you have to say. And I get how it can be a bit intimidating when you have all these experts and you, I mean, if you scroll on a, on a LinkedIn page, you see what everyone's up to. You can feel right. pretty inadequate <laughs> uh, right off the bat. But I think what I mean by thought leader is, is really in, in the broadest sense of like, what is your take? What is your POV on, on what it is that you do? I, I think a, a good case in point was uh, a couple of years ago, I think towards the end of 2019, good. I worked with an orthodontist. 
who was giving a seminar and he had a very specific procedure that he was, uh, I, I wouldn't say promote because he wasn't acting in a sales capacity, but right, it, was, sure. it was an academic seminar on how it's not just about fixing the teeth, it's the whole mouth and, and, right. and all these different things. And he kept saying, oh, my mom, my mom, my mom. And, and I was, wait, well, let's back up. Like, why, why you know, I, I'm interested and why you keep referencing your mother. Turns out that his mother is also an orthodontist or was also an orthodontist. She's retired. Uh, he used to go to her office when he was a kid, like 13, oh, wow. 14, 15 years old. And he learned a lot from watching her. But the real kicker was that his mother studied under one of the gentlemen that is considered to be the father of modern orthodontistry. Right. And so he had all of these different uh, 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 procedures he was talking about and how do you run a successful practice? And it's like, how do we thread the needle? It's like, let's bring it back to your mom. Like what are the lessons that she taught you? And it turned out that it really lined up well with each thing that he was trying to cover. So you get this, this end product, if you want to think of it that way, that is not, for lack of a better term, dumbed down. You still right. have all the technical stuff in there, but it's told with a narrative so that people more are more likely to <laughs> go along on the journey with you right? to, to begin with, but also uh, to remember it and even remember some of the uh, more technical stuff. Absolutely. So that's what I mean by thought leader is like, what is, what is your specific point of view on it? And, and it can range from being very personal to like, hey, my mother taught me how to do this basically, or I'll never forget reading the writings of whatever Never leader met. is in their field or something like that. Sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They, I, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes I see um, folks when they're, when they're just starting to put presentations together, maybe early in their career. And actually sometimes people never really grow out of it is they, they think that, Oh, well, people are here to hear all the technical stuff. So that's why they're here. We don't want to waste their time. Just give them the technical stuff. And and the I, I think one of the big challenges is that they, they miss the entertainment value of that presentation. So it sounds like what you're doing is helping your clients kind of insert that that emotional impact of the story into their into that narrative into their presentation so that. Uh, people are more likely to retain the data. It's funny how Absolutely. when the when the story is inserted, now all of a sudden those details that we got we kind of glossed over when we just kind of gave the 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 nuts and bolts and the facts tend to kind of stick with people a whole lot longer when it's in a narrative format. I'm Absolutely, a, yeah. yeah. And I would say that I cheated because I started in the media agency world, right? And that was all that's what you did. They said like we don't we don't want the data. It's like you have X number of minutes to catch this brand manager or CEO's consciousness, basically, like their attention, really, I guess I should say. And uh, how are you going to do it? And when you're coming from a media agency, there is that uh, entertainment bent always because you're talking about, well, which, you know, should should I, should Colgate, should they buy Colbert or should they buy Fallon? You know, that sort of thing. Right, right. So it, it really kind of gave me a, a very uh, circuitous backdoor into doing what I do now because my mind just works that way. Anyway, I can't 
Unlearn can't turn it, it off, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of, I mean, I, I, I have some, I didn't start in marketing. I started in sales. So it's ah. kind of tough to turn that off as a, as a public speaking coach, as a, as a presenter. Now it's kind of tough to turn that off. It's like, okay, I'm selling an idea. That's what I'm trying to get you to do is agree with my idea. And uh, so the, the technique is, is still pretty similar. Hey, so tell us a little bit about like what, what kind of things do you do when you're, when you're coaching some of your clients or you're trying to get them to, to um, you know, insert that narrative into the into the data and stuff like that. Can you give the listeners some tips that might kind of help them if this is all they ever hear from you is just a few of these good tips? What kind of things could you tell them to help them out? I would encourage anyone, whether it's it's me, uh, I would encourage any of your listeners, I should say, sure. to find someone that is what I call a collaborator in your corner. Mm. Now, I'd love it if that were me, right. obviously. But even if it's just a, a friend that can speak with you uh, about what you're about to say or what you want to say with a subjective slash objective point of view. So objective enough to tell you like, hey, you know, as a layperson, I, I don't really get... understand that <laughs> and it was kind of boring, <laughs> but subjective you enough lost... to really care. <laughs> right. You kind of lost me very early on, you know. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the thing that I would encourage uh, people to discover from those conversations or, or to the mindset to have to go into those conversations is that nothing is wasted. Often the tangents in that initial, the initial discovery phase that I take my clients through is where all the good stuff comes from. And mm. they'll start telling this story about how uh, they tri- took a trip to Kenya one time and they saw this plant that they had never seen in, in any other setting before. And, oh, the colors were so beautiful and they keep going and going. And there's something in there that relates to their subject matter or to their expertise. And so it really is so much about listening, listening to yourself. And if you can swing it, have someone else that's willing to spend the time with you. Nice. Yeah. I, I, one of the, um, I think one of the things that folks uh, that, you know, because in addition to doing presentation skills and stuff like that, I'm also a, a leadership coach. And one of the things that I tend to see from folks that want to kind of increase their success level is they think they see somebody that's really successful and they go, man, that person's got it going on. And they don't realize that the only person that the only reason why that person is so successful is because that person is screwed up more than anybody else. And they just learn from it. We learn from kind of making those mistakes. So those 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 instances in our lifetimes where we actually we know that something is true. How do you know that that thing is true? Because I tried it a different way at some point. It didn't work. And because of that, I made a change and, and now I'm doing something better. So the, those little moments in time where you kind of learn those secrets to success, that's that's the that's the crux of the of the good story of the of the uh, of the narrative, as you were talking about. Uh, Absolutely. I, I'm curious. Do you ever find that uh, imposter syndrome sneaks in, in in the work that you do? It seems like those two things would kind of be related. It's funny because I, I, I it's one of the things that that um, as a as a coach, it, it just it bugs me. It, it, it just it drives me nuts when somebody says, oh, I'm afraid that they're going to figure out I'm not as good at this is what they think I am. Right. And, and that's, it's, it, and that's where that term has kind of come from is the imposter syndrome. And I think one of the things that, that I tend to try to coach people on is 
okay, hey, if you're up giving the speech, if you're the person who is being asked to do the speech, why? You know, why? You answer that question. Why are you the person who's giving this presentation? Mm-hmm. And and 99 times out of 100, the reason why that person is giving the presentation is because that person knows more about that topic than anybody else in the room. Otherwise, they'd be giving the presentation. Right. And so the the uh, I think it's one of those things that I I um I, I think a lot of the folks that probably listen to the podcast, I think a lot of the folks that kind of come to my training seminars and stuff like that uh, kind of struggle with until they realize that you know what? The other person puts their pants on one leg at a time, just like I do, right? There's really nothing (laughs) special about the other, you know, the the only reason you think that other people is better at this thing than you are is because that person can get up and speak with a lot of poise and confidence. And they're seen as the expert. Once you're able to do that, people will see you as the expert as well. So that probably was not the answer that you were looking for. But no, I find like, that it so just bugs me. It bugs me that people think that they're not good at what they do. It's what you do every day. You are an expert at this, for God's sakes. Lighten up a little bit on yourself. You're good at what you do. Right? Oh, no, I find that so fascinating. And, and I absolutely agree with you because I feel like some, a lot of people, even legit experts. I've worked with people that literally wrote the book on what it is that they do. They just feel for some reason, and I guess I can relate to this a little bit, but they, they, they feel like, Oh, well that should be somebody else. Right. Doing that. And they never think like, well, what, what about me? And then (laughs) a lot of the work that I do is triggered by someone asking them. And then they feel like, Oh, well, I haven't caught up to this standard that this other person holds me to. It's like, no, you've, you've already met it. You're there. You've surpassed it. I mean, that's why asked, they're asking yeah. you, right? That's why they're reaching out to you. Yes. hundred percent. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those things that I, it's just, um, it, it's one of those things that's kind of personal to me because it, the, I, I think that's a, it's, it's almost as though the person who is feeling that it's, they're copping out on themselves. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, you don't see how good you are at what you do. Other people see it and they're recognizing you and you're saying, Oh no, that's not me. Right. So, Mm -hmm. Hey, if they're telling you that you're good at this, then Hey, you should probably, there's a good chance that what they're telling you is the truth and you can capitalize on that and become the expert. And it doesn't take a whole lot of skill to be able to do it. Just learn a few new things. And now all of a sudden your speech, your speaking catches up with, um, with what you're doing in the day-to-day operations of your, of what you do in your, in your regular walk of life as well. So agree completely. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I asked that question and that that was a good question. If it turns <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Well, what, what tell me, uh, so basically you're, um, so the the type of coaching that you're doing, do you? I'm I'm assuming that when you're actually working with um, a, a a client, it's it's actually a single person, or are you kind of coaching? Are you working with uh, companies, or like what what kind of um, role do you typically play when you kind of go in and start working with a group or with an individual? It's usually an individual. Uh, I that's not to say that I don't work with individuals that work at larger companies. Sure. Uh, also, there have been a couple of instances where I have written a speech for an individual that asked me to interview all of her deputies. So she was the head of this this uh, nonprofit, and she said, right. "Well, you got to get the full perspective on fundraising and on all these other things." And and that seemed to work out pretty well. The only thing that was difficult about that was blending in all of these other opinions into her 
singular voice. So it does work well if it's one-on-one, individual to individual. I find that that's the the best environment. And so what I do with them is I take them through a a three-step process. Good. And the, the first step is called discovery. And I hinted at this before and it's, it's a lot of homework for me, uh, quite honestly. Right. <laughs> um, it, and it's capped off uh, this, this period of reading their books, watching their videos, reading their articles, their blog posts, whatever they have to help inform me about what their POV is, how to capture their voice. I do all of that prior to a kickoff call where it's really just a conversation. And I usually go into that conversation having a few questions based on what I've read or watched or listened to, but I usually just kind of let them tell me. And that's where the interesting nuggets come from. And so we have that conversation and I'll go for as long as they can give me. These are busy people. So usually it's max of an hour, but I've had people go up to two or two and a half hours. And that's when I just go. Oh yeah. Because I love it. Uh, So however much time they could give me. And then that leads into the second phase, which I call the insights phase. I go through everything again, come through it all, cross-reference things. And I say, hey, here are three things that as a lay person really stand out to me. And I present that to the client. I say, these are the tent poles that I think could really help make this presentation great, tie it all together. So even though I can't match your expertise in team leadership or team dynamics, which was a client that I had uh, a while back, here's what will make it relatable to an audience, in my opinion. So we work on that. We create an outline and then that leads to the writing and editing phase. And uh, I I take the uh, 60 minutes approach to to working with my clients in that respect. Uh, Scott Pelley, a few years years ago, excuse me, gave an interview. He was comparing the evening news to 60 minutes. And he said, 60 minutes, we write and rewrite stories till they're perfect. On the right. evening, no, evening news, rather, excuse me, we write until it's 6.30. <laughs> exactly right. So the end product right. has to be in their voice, has to be authentic, as I said, accessible, meaning containing elements that uh, the joke that I usually make with them is, is if I accidentally wandered into your conference room or, or your hotel ballroom or wherever it is you're giving the speech. And I didn't know you that I could get something out of your speech. Uh, clarity, meaning clarity message, but also clarity of intent as to why you're there and, and empathy. As long as those four elements are represented in, in uh, different proportions, depending on the client, I consider that a, a job well done. And they'll go up there and they deliver better uh, they can generate more leads if that's what the goal is. They can uh, 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 have a more inspired CTA. That's that's what I do. So yeah, individuals working through that process, you can't beat it. I love it. Hey, so when you're so when you're so when you're helping one of these folks kind of design the speech, do you just out of curiosity, are you are you kind of actually writing it and they're like delivering this off of a teleprompter, or are you giving them guides and let them kind of once you kind of give them the 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 tent poles, like you were saying, you, you let them kind of fill in the holes and fill in with their stories and that kind of thing. Just out of curiosity, I'm just wondering. Well, I've done both, really. I mean, there are, there are folks that have it on a teleprompter and they want it. 
to be delivered word for word. They they obviously are connected to it. They've rehearsed it. They've internalized it. So right. that it doesn't sound like they're so reading it, it yeah. for the first time. And teleprompters are tough. Uh, and I know having, uh, when I first started working with them, it's it's a little intimidating, uh, but it, it's it's a skill you have to develop. But I also am a big fan of, of that tentpole idea of giving them uh, bullet points because because some people are just better extemporaneous yeah, speakers. Absolutely. And yeah. I think actually those clients have a bit of an edge because they recognize that it is a performance. Right. And that each time they would give it, it, it that speech is a little different. I've worked with a lot of clients who uh, it's not just one time they're going to be delivering that speech. They're going to sure. take that speech to health and wellness conferences, for example, all over the country or the world or wherever they're invited. And they, they kind of recognize like, okay, it's, it's a little bit different each time. And maybe I can build on it here. And, and uh, they really start to look at it more as an artist, which I find fascinating because yeah. they don't think that they are artists or performers. And it turns out that they're a little both. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, that actually, that leads me to probably one of the last questions, but um, so what, what types of situations that sound like um, somebody that speaks at lots of conventions and that kind of thing is a, is a pretty good customer for your client. Like what other kinds of, of um, folks do you work with? What, what kind of situations would somebody um, reach out to you? This is, this is a speech or a presentation that's at a high enough level to where, Hey, I think I need some help. This is something that's, that's pretty important. So what kind of like, give us a background on kind of what types of presentations you would help people with. Sure. Well, you know, I, I think what's really interesting is that these are people, the, the people that, that I work with and that I've had the most success with are really people that don't quote unquote need me so much, meaning right. that they are, they, they either write and or speak for a living. It's about a very specific situation. So case in point, I, I worked with a professor of uh, team leadership, team dynamics, she and her co-authors, they literally wrote the book on that subject. She has a whole four phase map for how teams grow or, or they don't grow or they flourish or they don't. And it was just all very academic. And now she lectures at a well-known university every day of her life. She has a consulting firm. She's given web, uh, webinars and workshops and things. But then she was asked to give a keynote address to a symposium of 100 or 150 uh, ERs, I mean, uh, physicians and, and members of an ER staff. Sure. And it just had to be perfect for that moment. And sometimes people like that, they're so brilliant that they're just a little too close to what it is that they do. And they have this body of work that spans years or decades. Right. And it's just like, how do I get my arms around my own expertise? They don't think of it that way, but that really sure. is what they're asking. Yeah. That's what so, they're struggling with. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's really, you know, people have asked me like, Oh, well, what industries do you specialize in? And honestly, after three and a half years of doing this, I've, I've run the gambit so much that it's like, it's, it's really not a demographic profile. It's a, it's a specific profile okay. where it's yeah. like, yeah, like it's triggered usually by a specific event or they recognize that public speaking uh, is a skill set on which they need to work. And I always say, okay, well, let's approach it from a content angle first because I know lots of people that, that do the technique so much better than I do. 
but let's approach it from a content angle. Do you have something that you can work on that we can put through my process? And then I think they find that a lot of the stuff that, that uh, is looming large in their head that worries them doesn't go away, but it lessens or, or they don't feel as awkward or uh, uh, anxious about it. So it really, those are the kinds of situations under which I think uh, clients and I work the best. And, and those are the people, the, the coachable people. I'm sure you can relate to this, right? Is that you have to go into it with, with uh, an open mind and recognize the value of, of what you're investing in. Nice. Uh, yeah. I, and one of the things that we talked about just before we started um, recording was you, you had mentioned that you put together um, a, a video guide for folks. So if they are interested in finding out some of the things that you do about um, helping folks, or if they've got a big presentation coming up and, and they're looking for help, they got, I think you have a series of free videos that they can access and just kind of take them through the step-by-step process, right? Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, it's at contentinterpreter.com slash free hyphen guide. And you go there, you just enter your email and you'll get very short videos from me, just a series of short videos that I consider to be a, a prelude to starting this process, whether you're, you want to work with me directly, which I would love, or if you're, you're going to sit down independently and, and, and at least start mapping it out. I think it's very helpful to think about uh, goal setting, to think about who your audience is, think about your personal connection to this story. So there are lots of tips in those, uh, I think, 10 minutes collectively across those three videos. There's lots of uh, insight and power. So I hope they enjoy them. Nice. Oh, very good. Very nice. Okay. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That way it's easy for you You guys don't have to write that down, especially if you're driving or something like that. We'll put a link in the show note. That way you can just kind of go right to it. Anyway, JT, thanks a lot for being a part of Fearless Presentations and thanks for all the great insight. Appreciate it. Thank you, Doug. It was a great pleasure being on with you. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.